welcome to another edition Hello. of Thinking. Oh, so close. <laughs> another edition of Thinking Like a Lawyer. I'm Joe Patrice from Above the Law. That was Catherine Rubino. She is not recording in uh, New York, so I didn't yeah. know. Like, did, did they have technology out in the uh, hinterlands, wherever you are? In, in Houston, like the fourth largest city in, in America? Yes. Yes, they do. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, well, anyway, we're here yet again catching you up on some of the more interesting legal stories of the last week. It's been a, it's been an interesting one. Uh, yeah. Obviously, well, well, how, how is your, well, before we get into that, oh. we always kind of start with a little update. How was your weekend? How have you been? You know, what's gone on in the last week well, or so? Well, I was actually doing uh, small talk, but you know, whatever. Were you, you really jumping right? No, no, no. You stop it. Stop it. You were Raises jumping. is not one of our stories today. I was just going to use that as a segue into talking about how busy things have been. But yeah, no, it's been very busy. How about you? Yeah. Well, I mean, as as you mentioned in the intro, I, I'm traveling, uh, visiting ah. some family down in Texas. And for most of the state, it, it appears as if masking and and they they certainly believe that COVID is over, regardless of the Delta variant. Yeah. Well, I mean, it depends. I mean, I don't know. Different areas of Texas are like if you look at the maps, it's very concentrated in different areas. I don't know where you are. It might well be one of the areas that is more. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I think, the I think the vaccination numbers are, are fine. But, you know, even even in, in indoor spaces, no one no one has it. Even, you know, children who obviously can't be vaccinated aren't wearing them inside. It, it, that was the, the big shock to me. That's one of the things I noticed sort of in the airport was like, oh, all these poor kids, you know, have to have, I mean, I wore my mask obviously in the airport, you have to, and on airplanes, you have to. But, uh, you know, people who have younger children, the children can't be vaccinated quite yet. Uh, speaking of children being vaccinated, are you following the... Uh this story, I believe, out of Wisconsin about masks. No. What is it? Tell me. Tell yeah. me all about it. Uh, I'm dying to know. Uh, no, there's a uh, there's a school somewhere, and I can't remember where it is, but is challenging. Oh, the, I think yeah. it is Wisconsin. Yeah? It, it, no, 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 it's Detroit. It's Detroit. Detroit. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, challenging the rule that ch- children have to wear masks because it's a religious school and says that because we're all made in God's image, a mask would be, you know, covering that up and therefore would be a a sin, which, as a lot of people on Twitter immediately pointed out, would actually be an argument against clothes. So I, unless this is a nudist (laughs) school, which, which if it is, raises further issues, I think. (laughs) I I have have some follow-up questions. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Do you have any information? Do you know like what denomination it is? Like what religion? Oh, it, are they oh it's Catholic. Which so I mean, I think that the Pope raising the making pretty- children <laughs> naked is is an even oh, bit worse problem oh, again. Oh, 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 fair, fair. But I was going to say, I mean, there's a guy who's in charge, right, for the Catholic Church. Like we know who it is who makes the rules. It, yeah. You know, I'm Catholic. We believe that he has a direct line to the big guy. <laughs> He he's he's cool with masks, so I'm pretty sure you are wrong about what your religion says. Yeah, in in fairness, uh, so far anyway, a federal judge also has a direct line and uh, has determined that the preliminary injunction is <laughs> stupid. But uh, fair. But unfortunately, fair. this now goes to an appeals court, and I am unaware exactly of what the panel is. But you know, 
it's one of those circuits where you know yeah crazy but i mean yeah well there was even the indiana university case right that, mm-hmm. that happened that a trump judge said of course they can mandate covid vaccines right so so you know there's even no matter how conservative the circuit i think that there's at least hope that uh that common sense will prevail yeah i mean even uh we learned this week also that Fox News has vaccine passports, despite uh, everything they say when they're actually on the air. So, you know, yeah, maybe there is something like that. Yeah, listen, that also is utterly unsurprising, right? I think that particularly for Fox News, it is very much a, it's, it's a show, right? It's, it, it is a product that they know how to market and they market towards people who are based in fear. It's not necessarily that they're true believers. Occasionally, I think they do get people you know, who are attracted to it, who become true believers, whatever. But I think that as on a corporate level, it is a business first. It's only true belief is in money and in monetizing what they're able to do. And this is utterly unsurprising to me that they say one thing to their audience and do another behind closed doors. This seems entirely on brand. Well, I guess if we're going to talk about things being behind closed doors, do you want to talk about Jones Day? Oh, sure. All right. <laughs> so, you know, well, we, we kind of talked a little bit. You mentioned that there are raises going on and, and faithful listeners uh, of Thinking Like a Lawyer and readers of The Bob of the Law will well know, know that ra- associate raises are all the talk of the spring and summer. You know, things they do things a little differently at Jones Day. They have what's known as a black box compensation system, which means that uh, no one knows what anybody else makes. They publish their first year starting salary. And then after that, you're not supposed to talk about what you make. You're not supposed to you know, have conversations about it, et cetera, et cetera. And they say it's, you know, to encourage congeniality amongst your colleagues and, and such. But the truth is. Or, or, uh, co- or collegiality, either one. Um, both, although, yeah. although I think congeniality is actually almost a funnier concept. <laughs> Fair. Anyway, so they're they're. A black box system. Also, what they do, which is different than most firms, is they don't give out bonuses. Mm. So they're, uh, they say that their compensation is above uh, market base rate compensation in order to accommodate the, for the fact that they don't also give out bonuses. So they published their new first year number, which is the only information that they publish, which is $210,000, which for, you'll remember, the base salary on the Davis-Polk scale is $205,000 for first year associates. Uh, and so, you know, I got a bunch of, of emails about Jones Day compensation from folks being like, oh, look at this. They're, they've moved to 210. Does this mean that we should expect raises across the board? Who will match this 210 number? And I, and I was like, no, no, no one, no one, because they're still ahead. If $210,000 is also supposed to account for the bonuses, 210 is well behind market compensation. There are special bonuses that happened this year that have already been announced. There are more than $5,000 for, uh, I think there are 12, for first-year associates. Plus, there are year-end bonuses, which at most firms are either explicitly said will be at least as large as last year's or at least anticipated to be at least as as large as last year's, which I think is in the $15,000 range for first-year associates. So you can, you know, simple math makes it very clear that the, the sort of market DPW scale is significantly ahead of that $210,000 number. But that kind of brings up 
a secondary point, which is what is behind, what, what's going on for everyone beyond first-year associates at Jones Day? This has sort of been a hobby horse at Above the Law for many, many years now, and we've made calls to try to break the black box. We did this in 2016 when there was a previous round of raises that went on as well. And we kind of anonymously collect the data. We want to know what your class year is, uh, your if you have low meaning less than 1,800 hours of billables, average between 1,800 and 2,000 or high over 2,000 hours, your city and your class year, and your if you're not comfortable giving an exact dollar amount of your new salary, uh, your range, uh, you know, about how much you make, so that we can kind of get some sense of how well Jones Day associates compare to the market. We know the first years are, are behind, and my strong sense is that everyone will be behind the market. And uh, so we kind of like to collect this data to find out what's behind the black box. Yeah. Uh, no, yeah. that's that's important work, uh, especially because, I mean, for everybody, certainly those of us who work with people who are trying to find jobs and stuff like that, it's very important for not just the firms themselves to know that know what a specific firm makes, but to know what all the firms make. It uh, gets the whole market transparent and uh, is very useful. So mm-hmm. the more we can help with that, the better. So please yeah. and let us the know. The truth is, I mean, I know that sometimes folks uh, get a little annoyed about lockstep compensation because there's a sort of weird puritanical work ethic that my work isn't being rewarded if I just make what everyone else makes just by virtue of the year that I'm in. But the the truth is that it is significantly better because a lockstep compensation and trans, more importantly, transparent lockstep compensation means that there's no unconscious or, or conscious biases that go into making these compensation decisions. It also means that no one goes into life at a law firm thinking that they're going to be the bottom of their class. But somebody inevitably is at the bottom, but everyone thinks they're going to be at the top. And, and maybe it's because you have some personal stuff, especially coming out of a year of co- year plus of COVID. You know, maybe they people some, had some personal stuff going on and they couldn't hit their billable, the same kinds of billable numbers that they would have wanted. Or maybe, you know, maybe their group is just slow. Maybe it turns out that the partner they were working for was lateraling somewhere else and they just didn't get the amount of work that they thought that they would get. And so this kind of lockstep compensation protects young associates who don't have a ton of control over the kinds of cases they get assigned uh, or the kind of work they really do. Uh, it gives them a little a measure of security to know that, you know, where their, where their comp num- numbers will be. And it also makes sure that any sort of these unconscious biases are eliminated from the compensation conversation. So get on that, everybody. Yes, and again, it's tips at com. You can send us, you can make the subject line be something like Jones Day, Intel, or whatever, uh, and give us whatever data you have. And as always, all sources to Above the Law are kept strictly confidential. Great. Let's hear from our friends at Lexicon right now. Here's a message just for the attorneys out there. So you passed the bar, joined a firm, or even built your own. Now are you finding out that you're doing more administration than actual law practice? Lexicon can help. Lexicon is a legal services and technology provider with over a decade of experience streamlining administrative tasks like timekeeping, HR, billing, client intake, and more. So you can focus on maximizing billable hours and increasing client satisfaction. Call 855-4-LEXICON or visit lexiconservices.com go to learn more. All right. Well, the other story that broke late in the week uh, last week and became uh, a 
topic of conversation is Morgan Stanley, uh, which mm. is a not a law firm, but is a which yeah vi- okay that's that it is it's not a law firm at all. Why why is that something that above the law cares about? Well, they have lawyers, Catherine. Anyway, they're fair, um, but, but they're, so does everyone. <laughs> they are a. Well, I mean, internally, but they are a bank and a major client for a lot of the top tier law firms. And Morgan Stanley has made a bit of uh, media attention for itself lately with its CEO going out of his way to claim that everybody needs to be back in the office. You know, we've been doing this long enough. Everyone come back in September. Just saying this over and over, uh, doubled down on it in a recent call. It was interesting, especially considering that Morgan Stanley is enjoying record profitability right now and just blew it out of the water based on last year's numbers when everyone was locked down, but demanding everyone come back. Uh, This shifted into more of a legal story when the chief legal officer issued a memo to the law firms, the outside counsel that they work with, basically saying that they all need to come back into the office too. It was a... Uh, You don't get to tell me how I run my business is my gut reaction right there. It was well. I mean, the customer's always right, but no, it was framed not as a demand, though that certainly is the implication of how it was written. Uh, it was framed as, "I just am really worried about the future of the profession and uh, mentorship, and we need to, people in person is the only way to learn and become the next great generation of lawyers." And blah 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 blah. Says so a non-lawyer talking to lawyers. No, this is a lawyer talking to lawyers. Anyway, okay. they. The memo gets out, uh, and there were some stories about it, mainly pointing out that the law firms involved, uh, no one's certainly seeking to fire them from their uh, representation, so the work they must be doing seems to be good. Uh, These law firms are all heavily profitable themselves uh, and have been throughout the pandemic, and obviously part of that was not having to travel for a year, but, you know, revenue was also in line. And so what's the real complaint? And my my point to this is, uh, I mean, I don't want to be one of those follow the money sort of people, but seems to me as follow though the money? <laughs> seems to me as though the senior leadership of one bank is really really concerned about the commercial real estate market, which makes me wonder uh, what their portfolio <laughs> looks like. Uh, no one else, no one else is doing this. None, none of the other banks on the street. I mean, and everybody's in commercial real estate. That's not. It's not really nefarious. I mean, it's a sector of, of the economy not. that everyone's no. in. But the insistence and the doth protest too much of one particular bank has got me wondering if uh, someone's in over their head. But it's also just a really dumb plea to base this around mentorship and stuff like that. Because no mm-hmm. one's talking about going remote forever. Uh, that's not totally true. There are virtual law firms in this world. And the work they do is actually very interesting and different and also tends to be much more senior-based with partners uh, with very leanly staffed. But the Mm -hmm. big firms, these folks aren't talking about going remote forever. They're talking about coming back to a four-day-in-the-office work week in a way that might allow them to cut back on some office space. If you think that mentorship was living or dying based on whether or not someone was there on a Monday, then we've got a bigger problems with mentorship because the four other days of the week that everyone's in person seems to more than accomplish the goals that everyone's talking about. Yeah, I mean, I, this this whole how we come back, whether we come back, what does back even look like, I think is is an ongoing conversation in the legal market as well as, you know, others. Uh, I also wrote a story this past week about a partner at uh, Troutman Pepper in the Atlanta office, the Atlanta managing partner, basically sending a bunch of series of emails 
basically begging folks to come back to the office, uh, <laughs> saying, you know, we need the future is in the office. We need you back. Please don't please come back. And, and you know, tying it both to the passing of a, of a partner uh, to the Memorial Day holiday, also trying to incentivize it, you know, at various turns. Uh, you know, with we'll, we'll feed you, C- come back to the office, we'll give you food. <laughs> Please come back and kind of doing a guilt trip on the other in, in other emails. And, you know, we obviously heard about it because tipsters at the firm were like, what is going on with this? What is going on here? And and I think that, you know, I think generationally, the sense of, of whether or not we should come back is, is very different. But I, but I think you're right that no one's saying we need to be back. No one, no one's saying that everyone needs to be b- always remote, you know, yeah. except for the virtual firms, you know, everyone's going to have some presence, although, you know, they may have give up a couple of floors, which obviously impacts that commercial real estate well, market well, that you're right. talking about. Well, right. and that's the thing, uh, like, like mm-hmm. that once you start recognizing that the mentorship thing at best is based on the marginal, the marginal value of one extra day in person, which doesn't, well, it may be two. I guess there are some firms that have talked about three-day weeks, but maybe mm-hmm. two. But it's also big law, meaning that Saturdays right. and Sundays are also days people may be in the office, quite frankly. And whenever some important meeting comes up, the day, the Monday, Tuesday, or whatever they're taking off are also going to be in the office. So right. there's just not it's really... it's not taking off. It's just working from home. Yeah, right? exactly. Like in, in a lot of ways, this is going to involve more contact and work than regular weekends, even though lawyers mm-hmm. tend to work through those too. I, what was weird, we talked about this a little bit on uh, the Legal Tech Week Journalist Roundtable last week, which like there are so many potentially good arguments that could have been made about <laughs> yeah, cyber cyber attacks and privacy, and they're not really good arguments because there's a good deal because law firms are just as vulnerable whether you're in person or not. Uh, because newsflash, oftentimes even when you're in person, the partner isn't walking down to your office to talk; uh, they are sending you an email. So it's all the same whether you're in the office or at home. But as far as the security situation goes, but even assuming security was somehow compromised, which it's not. That's not my point. Even with the fact that in the office is no real different, there's at least the the sense with cyber stuff that it's just confusing to people. And people mm-hmm. just like, it just seems scary. And nobody really bothers to poke and see how plausible the threats are. They just like are scared of threats. And right. if the client had written something like that, uh, you have to come back to the office. You know, our work is very secure. We're, uh, you know, we we represent and we move so much important money that like it would be problematic and we would view it as a security for threat for you to be working remotely, which is nuts. But at least that's the sort of thing that they could have gotten away with plausibly. But trying to hinge it on mentorship and work and work product, especially after what happened last Being year where everyone was, yeah, yeah it, it was well. just just lazy. And strikes me, again, as though if you're out there trying to make financial decisions, it seems like maybe somebody's very worried about the commercial real estate. But okay, to kind of play devil's advocate for a moment, let's assume you're right in that uh, it is because they're heavily invested in the commercial market. So even if they said that, and you're their lawyer, isn't that just more of a compelling reason to actually do what your client asks? But like, yes, if our client does well, if our client does poorly, our business will suffer. So if, if our client needs people back in the office that we have a commercial footprint, okay, that, that's as valid a reason as, as any. 
Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, it, like, it, I don't think you're responsible for every bad financial decision your client makes. Of uh, course you just you're not, but to, of course not. But if you can help. Yeah, I mean. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, you're going to spend millions of dollars to just make sure your client stays, you know, has billions of dollars. Nah, I, I think you're. <laughs> fair, fair, fair. I think yeah. I think your job is to provide them quality service. And if they don't like it, they can fire you. But. If they like it, you know, then, you know, they, they, they need to stick with it uh, and mm-hmm. stay and keep their nose out of your business, your business model. Yeah. But yeah, that's a fair point. All this real estate stuff and investment, it's a little weird because obviously we are more law firm, but I mean, it intersected a little bit, but it, it's a little. I mean, few- they're telling law firms what to do. So I think it definitely yeah. intersects with what we talk about. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it's just a little of field because, you know, people went to law school to be lawyers, not oh, accountants. Oh, I see. Take advantage of Nota, a no-cost IOLTA management tool that helps solo and small law firms track client funds down to the penny. Enjoy peace of mind with one-click reconciliation, automated transaction alerts, and real-time bank data. Visit trustnota.com slash legal to learn more. Terms and conditions may apply. Uh, what else is going on? Well, I guess the other uh, other story, I know you at least had a headline that I quite enjoyed um, ah. when this past week. That's the um, Quid Emanuel uh, it delivers the find out to Ron DeSantis's oh. fuck around. I mean, we're yeah. talking about COVID before. It makes some sense. Yeah. Um, okay. And certainly wasn't on uh, our agenda or anything, but we can. I know, we but can it's such like a good title, Joe. It's such a good title. Aw, see, you, I'm sorry. You see, think this, that buttering me up take, is going to make me happier that you switched <laughs> switched the whole schedule around on me? At the I last know, second. but I really, but I really thought I really. It's a really good title, um, and also. You know, I think I don't compliment you particularly often. And um, yeah, let's go. Well, Lord knows that's true. So, uh, <laughs> so Ron, De- Ron DeSantis uh, is thinking that he might be president. Well, more accurately, he thinks he might be a Republican nominee, which is a weird thing because, of course, that would depend on Trump not running again. Moreover, Trump not running his son in his place. Uh, with that said, DeSantis thinks that he needs to do what he, you know, whatever he can to build a profile and he's doubling down on the idea that COVID is all kind of made up and that we don't need any sorts of protections. And part of that is he's challenged the CDC's recommended guidance for cruise ships and said, he passed a law that says every ship uh, that basically asks for proof of vaccination, that they'll be criminally liable for $5,000 for every incident. This obviously is something of a constitutional crisis to the extent that (laughs) while these ships... They're just going around, aren't they? While these ships port in Florida, they are obviously traveling in international waters, and the regulation of them seems to fit very much in the occupy the space sort of discussion uh, within the federal government's realm and be something that CDC can regulate. Uh, We also just had another judicial opinion saying that the CDC is well within its rights to issue these sorts of regulations when it comes to cruise lines. But Mm -hmm. he's going to try and enforce state claims against cruises that leave from Florida. This puts cruise ships in a awkward position. And Norwegian Cruise Lines decided to do something about it and hired Quinn Emanuel. And they have sued the state on all these claims about how they don't actually have any authority to do this. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't think that this is anything that the governor expected to happen. I I think when he did this largely symbolic 
law that the cruise lines would just go ahead with it and and just do what keep they do running or... and keep doing yeah. what they're doing. Uh, but as Norwegian puts it, uh, despite all of DeSantis's talk that he's doing this to like help out the industry that brings so much to Florida, the cruise lines feel that if they aren't allowed to enforce their vaccine protocols, then you're basically jeopardizing their, their yeah. business, uh, <laughs> yeah. which is a very strong argument. So that's, that's been, that's been going on. So now we have a showdown in federal court where a guy who decided to take his performative shot is probably going to end up looking like a loser, which is, you know, not the sort of thing that engenders you to Trumpet. Trump, Trump, Trump Trump Trump's yeah. mindset of who could be a successor. So, yeah. Although, you know, Trump has also suffered his fair amount of legal losses. I just so. love, yeah, true. I, I just love that this, this loss, this complaint includes a dormant commerce clause uh, issue, which I mean, bravo. I'm just bravo. like, there, there's something that I haven't uh, thought about in <laughs> since the bar exam. <laughs> no, I don't even think the bar exam. I, I think I think it was long gone even before that. I think this oh, was nice. this was con <laughs> like three weeks into con law, uh, and that's about it. <laughs> but you know, yeah, dormant commerce laws. And then I got I got some random anonymous person like emailing, all annoyed. Like I don't see what the dormant commerce clause issue is here. Explain to me why you think there is. And I'm like, I don't work for Quinn Emanuel. Like, go <laughs> talk to that argument. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, but that is definitely definitely a thing about writing on the internet. Oftentimes you will be explaining what has happened, not necessarily making the argument yourself, but saying so-and-so has made an argument. And they're like, you're wrong about this argument. I was like, no, I am correct in that this person is making yes. the argument. Yeah. <laughs> that is what I am. That is what I am telling you. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, and, and I and that was a large part of what I dealt with for three weeks as that tweeb kept coming at me on Twitter. Just like, dude, 90% of what you're mad at is the guy who's beating you like a drum in federal court it's not i'm just reporting that it's happening <laughs> like I, I, yeah i'm just i'm just just the facts ma'am nothing but the facts yeah anyway well enjoy your little trip thank you Excellent. thank you it is uh it is it is significantly hotter than new york uh even though new york i know is backed at to summer even though you know july 4th weekend was in the 60s uh, in new yeah. york it is actually summer there but it is even hotter yeah, not 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 now. Uh, it, uh, it's breaking today. Uh, it's going to be pretty oh, okay. cool the rest of the week. Anyway, oh, well, that's good. Um, well, yeah. enjoy that, I suppose. Yes, I will try to. Uh, so thank you all for listening. You should be subscribed to the show, give it reviews, stars, write something, just like any kind of thing. It shows engagement, and that's valuable to the algorithm overlords. You should be reading Above the Law, as always. You should also check out some of the other shows, like Catherine hosts The Jabot. As I already mentioned, I'm on the Legal Tech Week Journalist Roundtable. You should be checking out other programs by, that don't involve us on the Legal Talk Network. Follow us on social media. I'm at Joseph Patrice. She's at Catherine One, which is that numeral one. And then you should... Oh, wow. I am totally blanking on my usual boilerplate. I mean, we had, it's only we took a week off, man. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it, that, that was it, right? There, there's nothing else. I, I think that's it. I'm just going to say peace then. No, no, no. I mean, no. Th that's not totally it. Um, no. Uh, also, uh, thanks again to Lexicon and Nota powered by M&T Bank, of course. Of course. I of really course. feel like there was one other house. You're just like out thing. of sorts here, aren't you? It's real. It's really a disaster. Mm. Anyway. All right. All right. Well, 
then uh, we'll, we'll just Peace. assume it's done now.